All right, we're back with the mush. Gore Gibson, Adam Gorney, John Garcia. Another week. An interesting first week out of us with the records. Um, I do have to give a couple quick shout-outs on our YouTube page for some comments. Ben, he actually kind of called you out, Gorney. He said that he actually likes that the podcast wasn't that long because he likes hearing everyone's input. And he wants to see what everyone's records is. And John wants to have us talk about Colorado. I'll jump into the records real quick. Adam ended the week with 8 and 11. John, 4 and 15. And myself, 7 and 12. So real experts over here. Real showing our six skills and really calling ourselves the mush is perfect. But we need anyway. a preseason or something. Come on. Yeah. Right. We're winning some games. We're winning some games. All right. Let's jump right into it. All right. Number 10, Notre Dame, minus seven and a half, going to North Carolina State. Adam. Yeah. I, I the, My heart says take Notre Dame here because NC State isn't a, a great offense. Um, might not be the season for this. I hate the hook, and I hate how the numbers are shaping up. So, um, you know, Notre Dame looked very good, has looked very good early in the season. But – I, ha- I have to stick to my principles. So um, I kind of see, you know, 31-24, 31-28, something weird. I'm going to take NC State here. I don't love this pick, but I'm going to take the Wolfpack at home. The hook is interesting. That's – that's you're just like, oh, it, it makes you think twice about it. But I go the other way. Um, not enough from NC State in week one. Uh, I do think, obviously, they'll take another step offensively. But Notre Dame seems there. They seem like they're already sort of rounding into form. A lot of those freshmen are playing well. And obviously Sam Hartman is, is at the controls. And Notre Dame's defense looks like a normal Notre Dame defense. So give me the Irish. Yeah, I agree with John. Uh, I like that they played a couple games. I know we talked about how they it's not the greatest competition that they played, but I like how they're already kind of in rhythm. So I'll take Notre Dame as well. All right, we get to uh, we get to answer. Big John's question about Colorado. We're going to jump right into Nebraska going to number now, number 22, Colorado minus three. Oh, man. (laughs) Every gambler's data point tells you to take Nebraska. Okay. Now, the public absolutely loves Colorado. Colorado is coming off a great win over TCU where they looked very good. Although it's not as good of a TCU team as last year, not not by not not even close. They're feeling themselves. Nebraska blew the Minnesota game in like 10 different ways. I mean, it was extraordinary how they blew that game over and over and over. But man, and three. So this game starts at eight and a half. Nebraska minus eight and a half. It's now Colorado minus three. It's just begging you to take Colorado, and that's how Vegas keeps the lights on. But, man, Colorado might be really, really good. I'm going to take the Huskers, plus three. And I and this could be the stupidest bet of the week. This might be a Colorado blowout. Nebraska's very, you know, might be very slow. Colorado could blow them out. But when, when a team is really feeling themselves and the other team is PO'd about how they blew a game, that's when you take the Huskers. But, man, that, that number is very, very odd. But I'm going to take Nebraska. I'll go opposite Gorney again here. I, I'm I'm drinking the Kool-Aid at this point. You know, I, I think – we talked about it last week or two weeks ago. 
Colorado might just have to outscore you. Like, I just don't think they're going to be able to hold up defensively in the trenches or overall, especially with, with Hunter's uh, snap count. But look, I think they've got the juice to outscore many teams, especially Nebraska, which looked offensively uneven, to say the least. Uh, obviously, Jeff Sims can go as a runner. Didn't see a whole lot else beyond him. So I just think Nebraska defensively will slow down this Colorado attack better than TCU did. But I just don't think they have enough offensive juice to keep up with Colorado getting into the high 20s, maybe the 30s. So I think the buffs cover. Yeah, I, I uh, hate to keep going with you, John, but if you actually listen to the podcast last week, I said my rule is going to be I'm not taking Colorado till it's a home game. <laughs> and so I'm going Colorado. And also, shout out to the game night crew at Rivals. We watched the Nebraska game last week. It was brutal. It was not a fun game. It was interesting to cover, but it was not a very fun game. I don't think Nebraska is going to hang with Colorado. I think it's just going to be a big shootout, and Colorado is going to come on top. By the way, also, we're going to do another game night with this game. So. Tune into the YouTube. All right. Uh, Utah going to Baylor, seven and a half. John, let's hear it. This is the lock for me. Uh, I think this feels most comfortable in these top 25 games. Baylor, obviously, huge disappointment last week. QB is injured. I do believe in Dave Aranda and game planning, and there is some familiarity here relative to Texas State last week. But Utah is banged up, too, and they still look great defensively against Florida and a lot of unknowns that the Gators were at least attempting to present to Utah. So I just I trust Kyle Whittingham. Uh, that defense will travel. And offensively, they were kind of fun with that two quarterback system. They've, they've got a lot of young guys uh, who can go. So I think Utah offensively will look a little bit more stable at Baylor and that defense will travel. So I think the Utes can win this one by double digits. Yeah, so I don't know if I'm going to go 0-10 in these picks, but I'm going to continue following my principles here, and I'm going to take Baylor. Um, and here's the reason. They're 10-4 and in their last 14 at home eight against the spread. And uh, again, this is a situation where Utah feels very good about how they played against Florida. They shut down Florida's completely inept offense. I mean, Baylor's back backup quarterback will be better than anything Florida puts on the field this year. Florida's offense is completely miserable. They have no idea what they're doing. And, and it's like they, they lost all skill players. Baylor looked terrible against Texas state. Uh, Texas state scored 42 on them. That's a, that's an embarrassment. Dave Aranda, And again, Utah's feeling good. Um, Baylor's feeling like crap. This is a home game. Give me seven and a half. Yeah, I'm actually – I think I'm actually going to take Utah here. Um, I was actually kind of having the opposite ideas, Adam. I think just Utah's rolling. They proved me wrong last week going against Florida when we thought they didn't have the quarterback. And I think Utah's just going to roll roll right through them. All right, our favorite lines right here. Ball State going to Georgia, minus 42 and a half. Oh, my. Yeah, this was almost my lock of the week, uh, believe it or not. <laughs> Taking Ball State. Oh, wow. There we go. <laughs> and many reasons why. Um, but the biggest reason why is because the public loves Georgia, but 89% of the money is on Ball State. So someone has laid a massive bet on Ball State 
And that's my only reason. Now, Georgia was not happy with how their offense performed in week one. They might not be happy with how their offense performs in week two. Ball State, if they put 10 on the board, that means they have to get the Georgia has to get to 55. They might not put 10 on the board, but um, Ball State is going to get wrecked in this game, but they're going to get wrecked 49 10. Couldn't agree more with you, AG. Uh, I think Georgia still figuring things out. They might try to push the ball vertically, maybe early in the game just because. But, yeah, I, I think that they don't have enough um, together right now to, to put up this type of number. So I think Ball State, that's 42 and a half especially, right? I mean, six touchdowns and the hook. So that's yeah. that's a lot. Give me the uh, Cardinals, question mark. Are they the Cardinals? I believe that's their name. Cardinals, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. All right. I'll go opposite. I'm going to go Georgia. I'm just going to play it safe. Good. I have Give me no that. idea. Let's go. <laughs> I just want to play it safe. And uh, I'll trust Kirby getting me those points. So, all right. Uh, number 23, Texas A&M going to Miami. Minus four. John, what do you think? Look, this one is a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be uh, before week one. Texas A&M, all the hype. What would they look like offensively? It took them a minute, but Connor Weaveman throws five TDs, and that receiver core all of a sudden looks really strong. Um, Miami's strength is is its secondary. So I think that matchup is going to play pretty evenly in this game. I, I know Miami gets flack for not having that Kyle Field-type atmosphere, but I think this one will be pretty rowdy at, at the Hard Rock, uh, especially with uh, the NFL starting the next day. So fans in this town will, will kind of come together for the Canes. And I think they can give AM a run for their money. That said, that AM defense is really strong. That front seven will shut down all of Miami's strengths offensively, which is that rushing attack. So I think this is a low scoring kind of old school SEC type game, somewhere in the range of 24 to 17. And if that's the case, AM will cover. So give me the Aggies minus four. Yeah, I like Texas AM here. SEC team on the road against an ACC team. I'll side with the SEC team every day of the week. The other number I love in this game for AM is Miami is two and 10 against the spread in their last 12 games. That's embarrassingly bad. That's ugly. They're one and five straight up in their last six games at home. You know what that means? That means they have no home field advantage. It will not matter. What, what Texas A&M is used to hearing on the road, it'll be like being in church uh, for them on the road on Saturday. I'm taking Texas A&M. I don't love how the public and is spreading this around a little bit. It's kind of even, a little more money on Miami, but those numbers line up perfectly for Texas A&M. I'm taking Bobby Petrino's Texas A&M Aggies to, to cover this game. You know, John, I was actually having – I was going to have the fight song queued up for you this week, but I was worried about copyright because my boys covered last week against New Mexico. You gave me a hard time because of my gut feeling. No, hey, congrats take. on that. Hey, that was a, I, you, I was sweating that game out, but I knew the boys would cover, and I have to stick with my loyalty. I'm going to go with Texas A&M here, minus four. Um, I just don't think Miami at home is as scary, and I think the boys are just going to keep rolling. All right, we'll move on. Uh, number 20, Ole Miss going to Tulane. Seven. There's no way it's seven points. I messed up that up. Let me look at that up. Anyway, scoring, go ahead. 
Yeah, this is I this is like one of those under the radar. Yeah, seven and a half the, the number is. Ole Miss seven and a half. This is one of those under the radar interesting games because um I went opposite you last week in my personal life and took South Alabama. And man, those colors do run. Those those colors suck. I mean, <laughs> USA, they, they did not perform the way they should have. Maybe Tulane is just a little bit better. And there's also a sharp bet on Tulane this week at plus seven and a half. I can kind of see this game. Uh, you know, I, I know Lane likes running it a, a lot now, but I can kind of see this game going back and forth, being high scoring. Ole Miss on the road has been able to score, score a lot of points recently. Tulane uh, at home has been able to score a lot of points. Tulane in their last five at home or five and zero oh against the spread. But Mississippi is five and zero straight up the last five times they've played Tulane. Now I don't know how, how what that dates back to, probably like 1932 or whatever. But man, this is going to be one of those interesting games. But again, an SEC team taking Tulane uh, to a good Tulane seriously. I could see 41-31. I'm going to take Lane here, and I'm going to take Ole Miss. I'd see a shootout as well. Uh, two great offenses, two great quarterbacks, two very different quarterbacks. I think uh, Michael Pratt is a dude. He's, he's buffering that Sunday resume. And if he's going to make that jump, I think he's got to have this game. This has to be his game. Doesn't mean I think Tulane's going to win it, but that hook has me a little bit worried for Ole Miss, who hasn't really been known for defense under Lane Kiffin, although Pete Golding is there now. So we'll see if, if that starts to change. If it does – this will be the game that starts to create that change. So until then, give me uh, Tulane plus seven and the hook. Very good. Yeah, I'm going to kind of go with Gorney's theory of like never kind of go against the SEC, especially going up. I mean, Tulane did cover for me for my lock of the week, but um, SEC ball is just different. And even though I like uh, Platt, I like that system to have a Tulane. I just think they're not ready for Ole Miss this early in the season. Maybe late in the season, it be something different. But for now, I will take Ole Miss. All right, we got SMU going to Oklahoma. Oklahoma definitely proved all of us wrong dramatically last week. We went against the Sooners, and they, I think, doubled it. <laughs> they, <laughs> big time. We believed in Butch, and, they, and uh, Oklahoma proved us all wrong. But anyways, Adam, what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Butch Jones should be fired and, and, and be embarrassed of himself. <laughs> After one game? game? After one game? Barrett Salee on <laughs> CBS Sports said he should have never gotten the job and and that he's one of the worst coaches of all time and uh, many other things. And I agree. I mean, Oklahoma is a pretty good team, but to give up 73 and to not score, that's embarrassing. Either his team gave up or he's recruited just complete oddballs that shouldn't even be playing. I mean, that's just embarrassing. And Oklahoma sort of ran it up a little bit, but they just kind of did what they wanted to do. I mean, they didn't keep the starters in. It was just ugly. Uh, that being said, I'm taking SMU. Uh, the numbers kind of prove it out. Everybody, again, everybody now loves Oklahoma. Oklahoma's unstoppable. Oklahoma could do whatever the hell they want to do. But now they're playing at least a legitimate football team that could also put up points and is run like a legitimate program. So I think 16 is too much here. Oklahoma wins comfortably, but maybe again, a little bit of a shootout here, and SMU puts up some points.
I'm right there with you, AG. Um, SMU is efficient. Rhett Lashley has been coordinating and calling plays a long time. Both of these offenses might even look similar come Saturday. So we'll see how improved that Oklahoma defense is or if it was just a product of, of facing Butch Jones. So, yeah, I see this as a 34-21 type of game. Preston Stone, former blue chip recruit there, uh, piloting that ship there at SMU. And, and they've got some weapons, Jordan Hudson, some of these other guys. So I think they'll be able to put up some points uh, and, and hang around at least until the second half. So I think uh, Pony Stampede can cover. Yeah, I'm actually going to go Oklahoma here. I like them at home. That's a tough environment to play. They're coming off the big win. I know it's kind of everything opposite that you said, Adam and John. But um, I don't. I, I hated the line at first, being 15 and a half. But I just I think Oklahoma's just going to keep trying to prove people wrong, and they're going to run up the score. So give me the Sooners. Okay, big big game of the week: Texas going to Alabama minus seven. <sighs> Me first? Of course. All right. Everything tells me to take Alabama in this game. The, the, every time for decades, a big-time feeling-good-about-themselves team comes in, whether it's A&M or especially Mississippi State, comes in number one Alabama and gets completely squashed like a grape. Now it's Texas, okay? And Texas is back, and Texas is great, and Quinn Ewers lost 25 pounds, and Sark might be the next coach at Alabama, and every rumor that you hear out there. This is when Saban crushes people. But I actually am taking Texas, and here's why. The public loves Alabama, and there's huge bets on Texas, and that means Texas covers. They don't win but they cover. It's one of those thrillers like last year when Texas A&M blew it at the goal line again. Uh, I'm putting my faith in Sark, and sometimes he kind of chokes in these big games. And Alabama's defense is going to come out, and they're pissed because they think they're di- everyone's saying their dynasty is over. Maybe I listened to too much Paul Feinbaum and the, and the Alabama callers this week. But uh, I don't know. I'm going to take Texas here. By my principles, by all the all the principles that I follow when I'm betting, uh, Texas will cover the number here. Don't trust them. I don't. Um, we, we've gotten into the next year of Quinn Ewers. The offense still doesn't look explosive, even though individually and talent-wise, bunch of dudes, bunch of Sunday dudes everywhere. Uh, didn't look great against Rice, at least from an efficiency standpoint. And then Bama answered the big question we were curious about with them, right? Who's going to be QB1? How will it look? Well, the Texan, Jalen Milrow, looks unbelievable. I mean, he looks like, you know, the most uh, exciting dual threat in the country maybe. So now after Caleb Williams. So after you get to that point, you know, that Bama defense, as AG said, is is money. And I think uh, Texas won't be able to establish the run game. There's no Bijan Robinson out there to, to bail him out of stuff. So I think Bama can lay down the hammer and, and get some number one overall votes after a double-digit win at home against Texas, especially because of the assistant thing, the Sark thing, all of the Saban tree. All of it bubbles up to a, a statement win for, for Alabama, and they will once again be the talk of the sport. Yeah, I, I disagree with absolutely none of that, and that's why uh, <laughs> I, hate, I hate the numbers in this game. I wish they were pointing to Alabama because Alabama at night is – you know, tough and the defense and they've a lot to play for, but man, I'm going to stick with the horns here. So don't let me down. 
Adam, you're kind of like Billy Bean this episode, just like trusting the numbers, trusting your gut, you know? I need a first baseman who used to be a catcher kind of vibes, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I talked to you guys about this in the pre-show. I'm going to stick with my gut. This is my mush pick, my lock of the week. Roll Tide, baby. Give me Alabama. I'm with John. I think I watched that Texas Rice game. You know, they knew they are going to win the whole time, but they, to me, did not look very impressive. It was good to see Malik and all those guys get in, but and JT was just looking like JT, but I I just – I think Alabama is just – the defense is going to hold them, and they're just going to run it up. I think Saban's pissed, and they're going to run it, run it, run it. And I don't know about double-digit, but it's going to be – I mean, I don't know how high double-digit, I should say. But give me Alabama. Lock of the week, baby. Here we go. Southern Miss going to Florida State. Big line, minus 31. Another prove-it game for uh, Florida State on our end. We all picked LSU last week, I believe. And uh, Florida State just stopped. That was my lock, by the way. That was, <laughs> that was, that was the mush yeah. pick, baby. That was the mush pick for, of the for week. For a quarter and a half, felt pretty good about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, well, Brian Kelly went in on went in on his own team, and I respect that because they came out in the second half and looked like complete garbage. Uh, they they looked like they hadn't been preseason conditioning at all. That's what it looked no. like. It looked like they had kind of run out of gas early. And uh, and they kind of like they gave up too. I mean, even like yeah. in their coverages, they were playing like no doubles kind of vibes. It was just like yeah. everything was just 15 yards. Yeah. So here's here's where I am on this game. Um, again, you you are you guys are falling into the trap of look great week one must be great, and that is the f- a foolish way of looking at this. Florida State's feeling themselves. They feel awesome. They're the best team in the country. Jordan Travis is going to win the Heisman. Everything's great. Well, Southern Miss beat Alcorn State 40-14, to so they feel pretty good about themselves too. Uh, Florida State crushes them, but Southern Miss covers. Agree. No, I'm, I'm not drinking the, the Seminole Kool-Aid that much. I think uh, Frank Gore Jr. will make some plays against his dad's old rivals and uh, – yeah, they'll hang around a little bit, and, and like you said, this isn't this isn't an SMU or a USM team that is is a horrible group of five team. They're on the, the higher end of that of that scale, and those are the teams that FSU kind of plays down to over the last few years under Mike Norvell. So I think all of that plus the hype and Kool Aid is thirty one is too much in this one. They'll win by three or four touchdowns, but but not five. Gorney, I think in Clint Eastwood's movie Trouble at the Curve, he says you can always trust your eyes. And I'm, that's why I'm taking FSU, man. I, right. uh, it's at home, which I love. 31's a lot, and I'll just kind of go against you guys. I think they have that little bit. I'm trying to prove something, um, and they're just going to keep running up the scores till people take them serious, even more than what their win was last week. So give me FSU. All right, faster episode this week. We're only going to do 10 games, so we're going to wrap it up here with Stanford. Going to USC, another massive line for the Trojans, minus 29 and a half. Yeah, they finally covered last week um, because Nevada is even worse. Um, (laughs) Nevada is even worse than San Jose State. Um, And Stanford's not great. Don't don't get confused that Stanford's a very good football team. They're completely different. They put up some points on Hawaii on the islands, which – could be tricky sometimes. I really regret not betting that game in my personal life um, because I, you know, I think Stanford can score here. With that being said, um, USC's defense is not back. They've played two complete weakling cupcakes. Uh, 
Um, Stanford will score some points here. There are sharp bets and the money is trending to Stanford. 29 and a half is too much. I would take, if I was betting this game, I would take the over. I think it's 69 and a half because I think USC is going to get to 52. But I think Stanford's going to get to at least uh, 24, 28, something like that. So I would take the over in this game. I think it's going to be a little bit of a shootout. Troy Taylor knows how to score points against anybody. Um, I'd be surprised um, if they don't put at least three touchdowns on the board here. So I would take Stanford and the over. Go ahead, John. You there? Oh, we might have lost him. Wait. <laughs> John. I think I lost you for a second, but we're back. Dang, huh? <laughs> um, hey, Mitch McConnell, let's yeah, go. Yeah, I'm, I'm back and forth on this one. This... <laughs> I'm still loading, still loading. Look, I, I think you make a lot of good points, Gorney. I, I think that's a big number within the conference, especially. But – that USC offense might be the best in the country. I don't even know when they won't put up 50, it feels like. So I just think mentally that's a lot to deal with. So I do think some scores into the double digits here, but I'm not sure they get uh, into the 20. So I actually, I'm going to take some chances here. Let's go USC to cover a 30-point victory, somewhere, you know, 42 to 10 kind of game. Yeah, this game here was a toss-up for me. Uh, I mean – these lines are massive for USC, and I, I think I'm actually just going to go Stanford here. I think they're going to put up just enough points to cover, but it's just going to be USC dominating the whole time. It's just I think Stanford might get a little sneaky towards the end. Um, yeah, so give me the Cardinals. All right, we are uh, done. We are a little early, so I do want to ask you guys like one quick question about uh, Colorado and the Travis Hunter. John, I believe you – Actually, you know, before we do that, Adam, I think we're missing your lock of the week. I'm sorry. Yeah, lock Jumping of the week. Jumping ahead. Lock uh, what, of the week. Got? Taking the Rebels, the UNLV Rebels going to Michigan, 37-point underdogs. They don't win outright. They get killed. But 37 is too much. Michigan's offense <clears throat> against East Carolina, which is really a depleted East Carolina team, didn't look all that great, honestly. Uh, I think they kind of just are going to churn through these games. They don't need to beat anybody by 50 to uh, to play for the college football playoff. They have a lot more ahead of them. Um, so they're going to get a lot of young guys in here. It's a big flip situation where the public loves Michigan, but the money loves UNLV. That means people in Vegas are putting money on the on the hometown team. Um, and they wouldn't be doing that unless confident that they could probably cover this number. So Michigan wins comfortably 40. I'll give it 45, 10, um, but UNLV sneaks in there and that's going to be my lock of the week um, because Michigan's offense, they're just going to churn through these games without Harbaugh until they can start playing real big 10 football. Perfect. All right. Uh, going back to my question about Colorado, I kind of want to jump right back into it. Um, I kind of want to talk about more like Travis Hunter. He's kind of looking almost like the Otani of college football, kind of can do everything. I just want to see your guys' thoughts on Colorado as a whole. I know John kind of talked about it a little bit more, but we can go more into detail. But what are you guys' thoughts on like Colorado, Travis, the longevity, maybe what NFL teams are looking at, if he's going to take so many hits, so many snaps. But just kind of want your guys' thoughts on it. It was a pretty impressive week, especially on Travis Hunter, being our number four, number one 
number one overall player in his class. So. Yeah, so I'll jump in here. Um, I'm happy to see that what we thought Travis Hunter was, he has turned into um, at Colorado. Uh, he was banged up a little bit at Jackson State. <clears throat> there had been some rumors that, uh, you know, people were telling him to kind of shelve it until they knew where Dion was going the next year and then really turn it up. Um, and that's what he that's what he's been doing here. It, it is one game, though. OK, and there are a lot of smart coaches out there. Um, Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoy at Oregon in two weeks and then Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch and his staff at USC in three weeks. I'm taking absolutely nothing away from Colorado. The way that they looked in that game was really impressive. Shador was phenomenal. He set school records, 500 yards passing. Dylan Edwards, I regret not even moving higher. Um, he's just a, a superb playmaker. But TCU was without their star quarterback from last year, their star wide receiver, their star running back. It's a big 12 team, so you know their defense sucks. Um, all of those things played played big factors so going down to fort worth and winning that game um was really really impressive uh, but there's a lot of football to be played here against teams that are going to be far more impressive travis hunter is a phenomenal athlete and nfl teams will absolutely fall in love with him i think at the end of the day they will put their best athletes on defense and he'll end up at corner um, in the nfl um, but he is a guy, and it's strange. He's very much like Dion. Like he can kind of play. If Dion played for a coach in the '80s or whatever, that kind of recognized you put the athletes on the field and let them do their thing, he probably would have played offense too because he was that good. You know, he was just all over the place. So I think Travis Hunter is an incredibly special football player. I really did believe him after the game when he said he wasn't tired. Um, because some guys can just kind of go like the energizer bunny and, and he is like that. He's always been like that. Like even when he's not playing, he has a lot of energy to him. So I think he's an incredibly special player. That's why we kept him at number one in the country. I'm happy we did. I don't know if he ends up being the number one NFL draft pick because that almost always goes to a quarterback, but there, but NFL teams are going to absolutely fall in love with him as a person and him athletically. And they're going to find spots for him on the field. Yeah, that last point is where I'm going with it. He's always been a competitor. I remember seeing him in ninth and 10th grade. Hey, who's who's this kid running around with, with the hair? And he's playing both sides of the ball. He's not coming off the field. He's playing JV. He's going up to varsity. He's playing for other seven-on-seven seven teams that he probably shouldn't play with. He just wanted work every single weekend, it seemed like. Um, and, and that's rare. Even in this age of, of the five-star recruit and, and any divas tags we want to throw on guys, he was the opposite and the antithesis of that. So not surprised to see him with that opportunity and success on both sides of the football. But, but like everyone else, how sustainable is it? Um, obviously, he's not banged up. He hasn't been hit much. That was game one. A lot of anticipation, the adrenaline, all of those things. And it was new. So taking what AG said, these coaches will scheme against that, maybe run at Travis Hunter, double him on when he's on offense, something like that. I think it, it's going to be really creative with the other people around him as opposed to just him. But he can do it all, and I think he's in it for the long haul. So I think he continues to play both ways, maybe just not as many total snaps. Robert? 
Appreciate you guys' input. All right. We'll wrap it up here. This was the uh, the mush. I'm Corey Gibson. It's Adam Gorney. John Garcia. Please follow us on all platforms. Like, subscribe, and turn on notifications so you don't miss any more episodes. See you guys next week.